Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. We're here to light the fetch and fight. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back. We are happy to have you joining us. And um, you know what? I'm Heidi. <laughs> I'm David, and I was just paying a tribute to all of our fans and listeners down in Utah County. Light the fetch and fight, the flip and fight. Flip. I got to tell you, when I first came here from California, when I very first got out the car, probably wasn't out the car for 30 seconds. I heard someone said, fetch you from across the parking lot. <laughs> and me being 18 years old, I said, fetch, what? I'm like, did they tell someone to go get he was like a so bone? so offended, so offended. Well, I, I was wondering if they told me like to go get a bone. Apparently I cut someone off going into a gas station in a town of like 20 people <laughs> where there's like no traffic. And I remember someone said, fetch you. And I was like, fetch. And I didn't really even understand what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, a local saw this bewildered look on my face, by the way, for those of you guys listening, and you're familiar with Utah, it was Beaver, Utah. This is not a joke. I am not joking. Someone said, fetch you in Beaver, Utah. <laughs> I'm driving from San Diego to, to Salt Lake City to start my life here in, at the University of Utah. And someone explained to me, the nice local explained to me, said, they were telling you to F off. And I'm like, well, why didn't they just say it? And he said, because that would be a curse word. I'm like, well, at least it would make sense. <laughs> so anyways. As much as the F word makes sense. Yeah. What is it? Fetching. <laughs> there's flipping. There's fricking. Fricking. So all, the, all of freaky. you out there. Freaky. Freaky. That's another one, yeah. Oh, I like it. I'm going to kick your trash. I like that one too. The kick your trash one. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyways, we just like to keep it righteous. Here yeah. in Utah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if the big man upstairs, it's that's almost, you know, well, that's what my are you supposed to repent? That's what my parents said. Even if I said, you know, those close words, I was swearing in my heart. There you go. See, so if you're going to, if, if you're going to swear, <laughs> make it count, right? <laughs> go for the gold. Go for the gold. Oh. Now, of course, parents out there, I'm not saying you swearing to your kids, of course, because we would <laughs> frown upon that because that would be entitled as freaking out. Right, which we don't want to do. Yeah, we, we try not to model that for everyone. However, though, last week's episode had a great story. And before we get into that story, because Heidi's been dying Here all I week to talk again. about Just this again. Just a little, again. another deep breath. Heidi's been dying all week to talk about it. No, she has a little confession for you guys. But before we start that... We want to give a big shout out to our community sponsor, 1-800-CONTACTS, for making this all possible. And a little simple reminder to you guys, if you feel a little itch in your eyeball right now, your contacts ain't <laughs> fitting you so right, something's wrong, you're like, man, these things just don't, they're just not as good as they used to be, pick up your phone, dial 1-800-CONTACTS, and make it happen. 
We got great people waiting for you to call. And we know they're great people because those people got yoga classes there. How could you be unhappy at work when you've got gourmet meals, yoga classes? I think they even got kickboxing. And not only will you be helped with great customer service, (laughs) you can almost guarantee the person that's helping you had had a really good meal, is in a good mood, and had a good night's sleep. Seriously? I don't know if that's true, but I'm I'm just imagining (laughs) that would be true with all the great treatment they get there at 1-800-CONTACTS. That's right. We love those people. So so anyways, back to our regular scheduled program. So... Heidi confessed today. She said, hey, guys, um, so I don't know if I really like the don't stab the balls. Uh, so Heidi Let's had a lot of time it. to overthink it after the podcast. Let's delete that one. I, I, said, I, I said. The feedback was overwhelming on the side of hilarious story, super relatable. In fact, thank you to everyone out there that <gasps> shared your stories. We tried to comment on all the stories and and thank everyone because I had a feeling that Heidi was going to have a little bit of regret about telling that story. I do. And I had (laughs) my feeling were accurate. But when all of you listeners shared your own stab the ball stories, I was like, see, there you go, Heidi. See, people can relate to you. Man. People get it. There were some funny stories. Did you read any of those stories that people put on there? Um, Frankly, no. Well, you because, need to go back and here's, read them. Here's the thing. I usually, you know, a day, the day after we record or we drop a new podcast or the next day, I usually post something um, on Light the Fight Instagram that goes over to Facebook or even on my own um, story. And I, I just did not feel like I could even tell people to go listen. We thought you went out of town. I hear from you for mentally a while. went out of town. And and here's what's funny is that, you know, I, I mentioned that my sister was there and my sister kind of sent me a little text and said, I, I can't believe you talked openly about the stab the balls, which was kind of one of those like first realizations that I sh- should have freaking shut my mouth. <laughs> um, But, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, can I tell you what I told you earlier? Tell me, I don't, tell, what, preach, speak on it. Here's the thing. I started thinking to myself, people are going to be like, well, no wonder she's freaking out all the time. Or no, you know. <sighs> people are going to start thinking that this isn't an act? <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So, so when... When something goes down, and I, I'm just going to just very cautiously re- reference the cold podcast. I'm going to. I'm just going to go there because we've referenced it one more, one other time. And Explain what it is. Okay, so the cold podcast has been going on for, I don't know, few, uh, s- months. several months. And it's the story of Susan Powell. And f- for people who live here in Utah... And and I don't even think you need to live in Utah. This was a big story, and it really kind of freaked us all out. And so what happened was a good Latter-day Saint girl, um, young mom, two little kids, came up missing. They were suspecting the husband. It was questionable. And um, and then, you know, as time went on, um, and it was still an unresolved case, the father slash husband of Susan Powell, wound up um, killing himself and his two boys. In, and so the cold podcast, it's called cold because it's a cold case. 
And he kind of goes into detail. But what's freaky about this whole story is the amount of journals and video journals and video and all this information that this family had like documented. Now, just as a sidelight, I've always been taught my whole life to document my life, right? Whether that was <coughs> journals, I was taught to journal. My mom was a journaler. My dad was a journaler. We have journals. I journaled. I've been, I've had a journal since I was 12, right? I want to read those. <laughs> right? Now people are like, we need some more evidence. But, but this in this particular case, they are like delving down into the journals. And I'm sure that if Josh Powell had a stab the ball story, they would have brought that up into Comden. This would have been like evidence that he had actually, you know, stabbed other things, which I want to assure everybody listening. I've never stabbed anything else to that level as I stabbed the balls. But I thought to myself, you guys, I have just incriminated myself forever. That if any of my family goes missing, we're going to know because I stabbed the balls. <laughs> so if you're wondering if I totally overthought that and freaked out, and yeah, I did. So. Well, I think it's a great combination to share an experience like stabbing a bunch of balls out of anger when you're a young mom. And then right after you share that experience, go home, doubt whether you should have shared it or not, and then turn on a murder mystery podcast. <laughs> you might as well just go turn on Friday the 13th. Oh. And what, what are some other horror movies, right? That's, that's Nightmare, on Elm Nightmare on Elm Street, that's right? It. it was a bad combo. <clears throat> so I, I, think, I think all of our listeners, and I know I can speak for myself, that we forgive you for all your self-doubt. <laughs> And we get where you're coming from. It makes sense when you said that earlier today. At first, I wasn't sure if you were joking or not. But then the longer you kept on talking, I'm like, oh, she's really been thinking about this all week long. <laughs> and then you're like, it might have something to do with I've been listening to cold podcasts. So I'm like, oh, okay. Now, all right, everything you just said, throw it out the window. Of course it has something to do with watching, listening to a murder mystery cold case podcast. Wait, he, okay, so here's the thing. When Capri was born 12 years ago, nobody talked about postpartum depression. True. I... My husband was out of town. I was tired and I was stressed and, you know, all those things. And so to all the mom, I think right now, to all the young moms and even not the young moms, this I think goes back to a little bit of the self-care and the freaking out just for one second. I know that, and those of you know my crafting stuff, I used to stay up so late because I was not going to waste quiet on sleep. So if I put my kids to bed, I wanted to craft. Because that was like my glory haven of all joy. I could be so tired. I could be just like dragging. And I would put my kids to bed. <laughs> Boom! I was like swinging into action. I could be up all night. And then, you know, I'm tired and grouchy the next day. And doing that for multiple years and then have multiple kids. What does that get you? Well. Knife yep, and balls. Stabbing the balls. Stabbing the balls. So the, the good news is. That thankfully I was able to talk things through with um, with my team, and so I feel a little bit better about it. And I also think that it's important to know that just because someone stabbed the balls doesn't mean they're a serial killer. The, thank you for stating that. 
very obvious <laughs> point. <laughs> I'm serious. Just go back and read the comments and you'll feel better. So thanks again for everybody that uh, right. shared their stories. They were really great. So why don't we uh, jump into a little bit of some thoughts. And, um, you know, uh, last time we had a very specific um, speaking engagement, which was the Don't Freak Out event uh, a few weeks ago. Um we had talked about, we're going into the event, we talked about a couple different things in one of our previous podcasts where we talked about difference between shaming and coddling. And, you know, I mentioned some other things in that podcast, but today Heidi was talking to me before the podcast started about something that came up in her mind. And so Heidi, why don't you have, have you kick that off? And then at the end, if we have a little bit of time, we, may, we can answer a couple quick questions like we've done the past couple episodes. Uh, I want to apologize ahead of time if I'm a little stumbling for words today. Um, this is my first day back after the flu on Valentine's Day where most people go out and have a nice dinner and have a romantic evening. We went out to a concert and I got the flu instead. So uh, I've been having a, a real live man Dave, cold. Dave, you got to wash your hands. And the flu. I, All the time. I should, so after I turn the knob, I shouldn't lick my fingers? <laughs> Dang it. At a public restroom, I should do that. No, I wish someone would have told me before that. Finger food. So uh, I'm, <laughs> I've been really struggling for words today, and if anyone knows me, it's usually I need to have less words. <laughs> so bear with me if I do not make a lot of sense. So pretty typical. It takes me um, a lot more time to process a concept, and um, <clears throat> I think that. Actually, like if you if you're around this, Dave's like nine said, if if you're around us are often like here's the thing is that this is stuff that David has been teaching people for lots and lots of years, and I am just still a very new student, um, and these concepts that that we teach and talk about are not something that has come naturally to me. And so... I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of Happy Gilmore. Have you ever seen Happy Gilmore? <laughs> well, part of Happy... Of course Oh, I no, have. not Happy Gilmore. Billy Madison, where he had to go back. He's the rich kid. He had to, where Adam Sandler had to go back and retake all of elementary school. Oh, no. Because he didn't have to go to elementary school because he was rich. I don't remember. He didn't pass like second grade or something like that. Anyways, I'm sorry. So sometimes I just feel like Dave is like, yeah, Heidi, that's exactly what I meant. But it took me like, <coughs> like processing for two weeks to understand it. So I had some really interesting, like all of a sudden, some of the things that we've been, well, that David's been teaching, um, and it happened both at the Don't Freak Out and at our parenting conference, which which we've had in the last two weeks. So just to kind of outline, our method here is that we will teach a community event which will kind of expose new people to the podcast and to what we're teaching. And then we kind of follow it up with a parenting workshop, which is a much more in-depth situation. And so for people who come to the, to the community event that's, that's free, new exposure, they start to listen to the podcast and they realize, okay, I, I would like to learn more. And so we kind of try to align it that way, which also really helps for me <laughs> because I am obviously, this is all like benefiting me the more than probably anybody else. But so I was listening to another podcast and in this particular podcast a gentleman was talking about his his life, his success in his life, which 
The success of his life was the sum total total of a bunch of failures. And so he was just talking about some of the ups and downs and, and he was talking about growing up. And he made a really interesting observation about his childhood. And he said he credited his parents for doing an amazing job of cultivating confidence in they're in the kids. And it wasn't a parenting co- podcast. It was not a mental health comp- podcast. But all I wanted to know, like I wanted him to stop right there and I wanted him to rewind and I wanted him to tell me exactly like the steps one through 10 of what his mom did to cultivate confidence. Because I feel like First of all, as a parent, self-esteem issues don't ever go away. Like just because you grow up doesn't mean you don't ha- that, that you have perfect self-esteem. But as a parent, we there's nothing that we want more than for our kids to have self-confidence, to have good self-esteem, to feel good about themselves and to maybe even see themselves as we see them, you know? And you know, and then they go to school and they get beat down by other kids or they have experiences that makes them doubt themselves and, and all those things that are that are really part of life. And and a lot of people want to talk about like resiliency, about like the, we just got to teach the kids to be resilient, which I don't think equals confident. And so um, I'm going to, I'm just going to share one of my personal, like I think one of the things that I have to work on and that I am working on a lot is that I'm kind of a chronic underestimator. For example, um, I'll, I'll kind of give an instruction or tell my kid to do something, but I'll kind of in my mind be like, okay, they're never going to do that good enough. I'm going to have to go redo it. You know, if I say, I want you to clean the bathroom. I know good and well that I'm going to have to go and reclean the bathroom. You know, like I'm, I kind of just underestimate. And then when they do a great job, I'm always kind of like, oh, this is, look at this. Look how great this is. And I, I don't know if, if on one hand it's like I believe in the power of having low expectations so that I don't get hurt or I don't get disappointed. And so I kind of wanted you to sort of, weigh in on um and I, let me rewind for just a second you remember we we told you guys that there was a bunch of questions that we got when we did our event and several of the questions revolved around this concept of what if you know how do i instill <coughs> self esteem in my kid or how do i know when the self esteem is low enough that they need professional help or um you know, rumors that are going around social media are really creating self-esteem problems. And so um, even though I feel like I've kind of put together some of these pieces in my own head as it pertains to some of the things that that we've, that David has added into the workshop and added into the Don't Freak Out, I would love to just have you kind of take it from here and just talk about what that 
means to cultivate confidence and how I don't want to put all these words in how modeling you know applies into that and how like I think about this because I am this chronic underestimator and not wanting to have too high of expectations and wanting to always be that safety net um recognizing that my level of confidence in my child may have a direct correlation to their level of confidence in themselves and and why that why we can all do better in this area <laughs> was that enough of setup that that's like 17 tiers of setup there you if go if i wasn't pale white <laughs> and coming back from the death of the flu I wish that this was a video podcast day because you could see in real life, um, sometimes Heidi brings questions and thoughts from people and things that have been floating around in conversations she's been having. And other times, like today, as she's talking, you could tell this is a personal one for her. <laughs> she's like, how do I make it so that everybody else wants this answer too? And But luckily for her, there okay, was no, a bunch you of know, questions. We do, there we were a bunch do. of questions. And so as she's talking, she's trying to figure it out. And you kind of started to go circle, circle, circle around and slowly started to get a tighter circle. And then what you said at the very end was, was a very good point that it's very difficult in anything in life that you want to help someone out with for you to be really good at helping them if you either A, haven't tackled that challenge yourself or B, don't have some sort of insider information or ability to help them. And if you don't have either of those, you got to have a serious willingness to help them. And so for all the parents out there that um, ask me these kinds of questions, some parents have fears that their kids aren't going to have self-confidence and the parent is looking like they're uber confident, like they're ultra confident. And other parents come in and they're fearful that their kids don't have self-confidence for various reasons. And the parents are, like Heidi said, are, what do you say, a chronic uh, under... Underestimator. Underestimators, right? And then other parents are super fearful and pessimistic and scared and they're not even underestimating... They just don't see how their kid's going to be able to have self-confidence. Well, in all those situations, like for the first one, if you're really self-confident and you're telling your kid that you can't relate to them and that this is not something you struggle with, then it's going to be difficult for you to help your kid. If you're a chronic underestimator, then you're going to be speaking and using a language of not necessarily self-doubt, but... That, that coddling type of approach, like, oh, you know, I, you know I, I, I know you need to do this. I know you need to do that. But, you know, if, if, if you can't do it, then, you know, it's like we'll, we'll figure out a different way. So maybe almost giving them an escape goat before they even have a chance to figure out if they're self-confident or not. And then the third one, the parent that's super scared and super fearful that, you know, they're not going to do it no matter what. You know, it's, it's just it's almost pointless. They never they never figure this out. Those parents, they also model something for their kids. And it's a whole lot of just overall general doubt and just disbelief. So there's, there's a lot of other ways to, you know, not help your kids with their self-confidence. 
But the solution is pretty simple. And you may pick up from other podcasts that we've talked about um, these types of conversations. It's, it's pretty similar to a lot of the other things we've talked about. It has to be a partnership between you and your child for them to achieve self-confidence. Now, your role in that partnership's going to be different depending upon your own self-confidence. So going back to what she said about the gentleman um, in the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. That said, you know, my, was it his mom that he referred to? Yeah. Um, with his mom, even though he didn't give all the details, he said they instilled self-confidence in me. Well, I'll tell you what, my mom also instilled self-confidence in me in some areas. But she instilled a lot of self-doubt and a lot of insecurities in other areas. So, for example, as a parent out there listening to this, you may already know the areas that you do not have to pretend to be confident in. You just know you're confident in. So with my mom, she was extraordinarily confident in her ability to connect and socialize with anyone. She could walk into a room and she had broken English from the North Shore of Hawaii and she talked funny, but... You know, her plumeria in the ear and her bright personality and her just just outgoing um, vibe about her. Everyone noticed her and she was the single degree of separation. It's We could be in an airport in Oklahoma City and she would somehow know someone that knew that person. And our family still always wonder like, wow, how does mom do that? Well, that's what she was confident. So whenever I got into social situations... She modeled for me how to connect with people and it was ingrained in me at a very, very young age. And so social for me, when I wasn't depressed or suicidal or struggling with addictions, always felt like something that I knew I was good at, right? But what she didn't model in the self-confidence for me that just so happened to be something that I struggled with is that I had a lot of value in my intelligence. Um, She didn't know how to model uh, education, homework, studying. She did know how to model hard work. But the reason why I'm using this as an example is in certain things, my mom could partner with me, like sports. She was the one that taught me how to shoot baskets. She's the one that taught me how to play sports mostly. But the things that she couldn't model for me were also the things that she was most ashamed of and she didn't even want to acknowledge that she wasn't good in those things. Those were the things like school, she said, just do your homework. Like, well, can you help me with it? No, I'm busy. I'd say, okay, mom, well, can you help me, you know, with my basketball game? Okay, let's go outside, son. Like instantly, like that was her thing. She was all state and volleyball and basketball. She was a phenomenal athlete in the state of Hawaii. So those are the things that she jumped right in and was hands-on. The things that she was insecure about, money, finances, education, she's like, deal with it on your own. And if I even tried to pressure too much, she got angry and upset. She wanted me to figure it out because if I figured it out, she didn't have to. I can, And I can totally relate to that. I can see where those strengths and weaknesses, I can, I, I, that, and that's just natural, right? Yeah, so when we talk about blind spots, and I say this a lot on the podcast and some of our speaking engagements, when we talk about blind spots, you listeners have such a different opportunity than the parents before you, definitely 
all the other parents before them and parents before them, you're more aware of your blind spots. You have more knowledge and information, even things like listen to this podcast for free. You can do it in your own free time, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. The challenge is not can we see what's in our blind spots, but the challenge is do we even want to see what's in our blind spots? Because sometimes we're not blind to things because they're not visible. We're blind to things because we don't want to actually open up what's behind that. So for my mom, she was a janitor. She was a PE teacher before that. She taught sports teams. She always made comments on, you know, those, those stupid rich people. You know, she talked about people that had money, who were financially stable, who were secure in those areas as if they were like horrible or bad people. That was her insecurity. That was something that she couldn't partner up on me with. She never taught me how to balance a checkbook. She never taught me how to do any of those things. And so the parents that I speak with, when kids come into me and parents are saying, hey, listen, my kid struggles. And the example I'm about to use was one that happened years ago. But it was the first time I saw this firsthand. A mom came in and she said, my daughter's really low self-esteem with their body image. She feels she's ugly. She feels she's out of shape. She's fat. And she had all these things. After I started talking with them, I got the mom and the daughter in a session together one time. And just out of a hunch, I looked at the daughter and I said, do you know that your mom, you know, she's tired of, you know, all the things that you don't like about yourself and how long it takes you to get ready and how negative you are in yourself. She's like, yeah, I know. And I asked the daughter, I said, just out of curiosity, what do you think your mom thinks about her body and her self-image? Does your mom ever struggle trying on clothes? Does she ever struggle um, to be nice to herself, to compliment herself? And the mom shrunk in her seat oh, by yeah. about 10 inches. <laughs> and the daughter lifted her head up from shame and looked at me and had this look of just anger and frustration. She said, and looked at, it's like she looked at me really sternly, looked at her mom out of the side of her eyes. It's called dino eye. She's like dino eider. Like if you can imagine like a dinosaur, <laughs> dino, yeah. okay. dino eye. She dino eyed her mom and she said, yeah, just this morning. And the mom just put her head down and she said, I'm so frustrated. My mom is always saying she's fat. She's out of shape. She's not pretty. And she went on and on. And I'm telling her, mom, yes, you are. Mom, yes, you are. And the mom's response was, well, <laughs> It's different, you know, it's like, you know, I've, I've had a hard life and, you know, I haven't had a chance to exercise and, you know, I've had five kids and, you know, it's like she has no reason to feel that way about herself. Like, you know, I have stretch marks and all these other different types of things. And the mom had basically just dismissed herself, said, my self-confidence is irrelevant. My daughter has no reason to not be self-confident. And my response says, except for that you aren't self-confident. Needless to say, that conversation got very tearful for both of them. The daughter was the oldest daughter. If you want to go listen to our oldest <laughs> child podcast. Uh oh, which number is it? Number 16. Number 16. <laughs> if you're curious about, there's a little unique relationship. If it's between been a minute, there. let's do it again. <laughs> there's a little unique relationship about the mother oldest daughter. And so the daughter cried, the mom cried, 
And the daughter said, and I'll never forget this. And after this, I just brought this up every time a mom was really critical of her daughter. I'd look at the daughter and say, oh yeah, well, what ways your mom's critical of herself? I've never had a daughter had to think about that for longer than five seconds. Okay, Because <laughs> so, your, your kids hear uh, yeah. what you're talking yeah, about yourself do. out loud. Sure they do. And so this daughter cried and I remember her saying, she's like, mom, it's like, I know you want me to be confident in myself, but I'm worried about you. And when you're not confident in yourself and I came from you, what am I supposed to think? It was, oh, it's it was, just, it's no it was pressure. Tough, it's... tough. That was a tough conversation for this mom. Tough pill to swallow. But for the first time, the daughter realized that she wasn't just insecure. She was taught how to doubt herself in certain situations. Because this daughter did have confidence. She was great in school, had like a 4.0. So she had things that she knew she could do. The mom had things she knew she could do. But the self-confidence the mom was most fearful in was the things that the mom was worried the world and people were going to be judging her for because those were the things she was trying to keep secret or she was trying to hide herself because it were the things she was most critical of herself for as well. I mean, I don't know why people don't want to go to therapy. It's so hard to... <laughs> like... Well, because they have Netflix. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just... I guess there it is. I mean, you just, you hit the nail on the head right there. Because all of us, no matter what, we have our own stuff that we struggle with. And that is the stuff we don't want to pass on to our kids. We would, we would do anything to, we don't want our kids to follow in those footsteps. We don't want them to make the same mistakes we made. And so that's why we even get mad at them to try to stop them from making those same mistakes or from feeling the same way we do or having those same weaknesses that we feel like are cracks. Um, and I, I actually didn't expect you to go that way. I was thinking that you were going to tell me something else. But Well, how that connects with partnering, it, specifically that story, is that... <coughs> excuse me, guys. It was... It was agreed between the mom and the daughter. And I've seen this happen tons of times. This was just, this was a long time ago. The first time I was really blown away at how a teenage girl could look at her mom. And the mom turned from the mom into the daughter as soon as I asked the teenager what her mom, or if she knew things her mom was insecure about, or if her mom had insecurities about her weight or her looks. And man, the mom just like, just cowered instantly and knew exactly what the daughters would say. And the daughter said, I'm always telling her she needs to stop saying that about herself and this and that. And it was so ironic. It was almost verbatim exactly what the mom was mad at the teenager for. But the teenager was just so used to the mom saying it to her. She didn't realize that the mom saying it out loud about herself had a huge influence on her, huge influence on her. And you know what's so interesting? I mean, obviously, I've already confessed on this. I've pretty much confessed everything on this podcast, right? But I've I've kind of talked about my body issues and and or my body image issues, and, and like as you're saying this, like I can I can totally remember conversations I had with my mom, which were conversations that were being had with my grandma, and and my you know like this was and not that we were unusual. We're women, and and so those body image issues are are prevalent. But I can totally see how they just kind of kept perpetuating that cycle. 
And, you know, we're always trying to say, how do we break the cycle? How do we, um, how do we own it? Well, the, the partnership part that this mom and this daughter figured out was that they couldn't tell the other person, well, they, they tried it this way. They would say things like, stop saying that to yourself, quit being so hard on yourself. And that was part of the reason why the mom brought the daughter in for counseling in the first place. So they had to switch that around and they had to treat each other's like, they had to treat each other like partners. They had to work together to get better at something. But in order for them to get better at it, they both had to acknowledge what the problem was. And the problem was, for whatever reason, they were insecure about their bodies, about um, the way that they looked, the way that they felt in their clothing, um, and, and just a lot of things around their body image. So instead of the daughter from that point on and the ma- and the mother criticizing the other person, they made an agreement, aka they developed a partnership. They decided to say, if I start to say, hey, listen, I'm fat, I'm disgusting, I'm this, that, and the other, instead of shaming the other person or saying, why are you saying that or, or telling them not to say that, they made an agreement that they would take a look at each other and right when they looked at each other and they'd say, I don't blame you for feeling that way, but remember, if you feel that way, it makes me think that way about myself. Interesting enough, if the mom felt her not saying things out loud about herself that was negative and replaced those with statements of, yeah, I do feel fat and out of shape today. However, it's a new day. If I eat less of these unhealthy foods, I won't feel as bad by the end of the day and I'll start tomorrow off with a better day. So I'm going to do better today. Then the daughter would say, thank you, mom. If the daughter would start saying, oh, I don't like these clothes. I don't like the way they fit and start being critical of herself. She'd look at the daughter and say something similar. She, This is one example I can think of. I mean, it's not exact because this is like almost 10 years ago. But the mom would look at her and say, hey, listen, I know that's how you feel. I get it. I feel that way too. But remember, when you feel that way, it makes me feel bad as well. And the daughter didn't want her mom to feel bad. So instead of like, making each other feel bad about it. They were just reminding each other that they were a partner in this and they weren't able to separate their emotions and feelings from one another. So trying to stop the other person from having feelings, just acknowledge their feeling, tell them, you know, I get it. It's one of those days. Come here, give me a hug. They tried different things, but it was always just simple statements of, I get it. I don't blame you. I understand. You know, I, I'm going to try to have a better day and, and hopefully, you know, we can have a better day together. We can go work out together. We can, you know, let's let's get a healthy meal tonight or let's go get a salad for lunch. They were trying to create more solutions. And ultimately, that's what partnerships really do. Partnerships don't like to mill over all the petty things that they did wrong. <coughs> Excuse me. Partnerships like to quickly be like, all right, there's a problem. Now, what are we going to do about it? And so back to the initial question of how do we help our kids have self-confidence? Well, from my experiences, and I think you guys listening to this, you've had your own experiences like this, maybe with friends. It's sometimes harder with uh, an intimate partner or your child. But the experiences that we have when when we're partnering with someone and has low self-esteem, it could be like our friends saying, hey, you know, listen, I feel like 
if a friend goes through a breakup, hey, I feel like uh, the person that broke up with me doesn't love me and, and I'm worthless. Well, a good friend is going to sit there and say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'd feel like yeah, I was worthless if I were you too. However, you're not worthless. You just feel like you're worthless right now. And then we listen to our friend like, yeah, you're right. I'm just feeling that way right now. Regardless of all the evidence we have in our emotions and the circumstance that's telling us that we should have low self-esteem, that we shouldn't believe in ourselves, trying to convince someone that they do have self-esteem, that's not usually what effective partners do. Effective partners acknowledge their partner, say, yeah, I don't blame you. Maybe even say some things to relate, especially as a parent, you can say, hey, I've had a lot of low self-esteem in those same exact areas. And just by hearing you say that makes me scared. But me being scared of you not getting self-esteem isn't going to help you with self-esteem and self-confidence. Me showing you that I can have self-esteem and I can work out my difficult things too. Hopefully that will give you a better way to see how to gain self-esteem instead of me just telling you to go get it somehow. Yeah, I like what you say about some sometimes I think that when we kind of come from the angle of you are you're you're plenty smart you're pretty you have no reason to feel that way then that's kind of also a defeating feeling because you're you're like but I do yeah. and so you know now what and it doesn't mean you can't give compliments like I think you're beautiful I don't think that at all about you it, it's it's just really important when you're trying to instill self confidence self worth self esteem in your kids that you have to stand tall and say some bold things. And sometimes that bold thing may be like, Hey, I, yeah, I, I don't want you to feel that way. It hurts me to hear you say that. However, I can relate to what you're saying. I don't normally like to talk about my insecurities. You're brave for talking about your insecurities. In fact, I think you're more self-confident than I was at your age. So I just want to let you know that whatever's making you feel self, you know, selfless or not having a lot of worth right now, those things are tough and you're tougher. You will get through this and you can get through it. And if they say, well, I don't know how I can get through it. Say, well, I don't know how I can get through my insecurities either, but I know you're going to be there to support me and I'm going to be there to support you. And those emotional moments when we're doubting our self-worth, there's a whole lot of things at play. And not all of them are logical thoughts. Not all of them of our, our past successes and our potential future um, talents and opportunities. It, they're usually really like just weighed down heavy in the emotions of our failures at that moment, the emotions of our insecurities or our shortcomings. Sure. And when we're thinking about our shortcomings, the best way to have someone stop us thinking about our shortcomings is acknowledge that our shortcomings are, are pretty real and feeling. And then after you acknowledge someone's feelings, tell them that, you know, you can relate. Tell them that, you know, you're reminding them of some things that they need to work on. Thank them for, you know, giving you the strength and courage to keep on fighting because they're actually being vulnerable. They're actually being open when they're saying things these things. But if we jump in really quickly and try to convince them not to have those feelings or to try to persuade them from having those feelings, we're not answering the call that they're really sending us. You know, 
I think one of the jokes around my house has kind of become that connection is the answer for everything, you know, like, um, and I'm probably talking about connection <laughs> a lot in my house, but I have to share this and it kind of goes off what we talked about in last week's episode, which I don't know what last week's episode number was at, at this point, but last week in the don't stab the balls episode. What was it called again? It, yep. It was called don't stab the balls. <laughs> what number was that, Brandon? <laughs> 47, don't stab the balls. No, 46, 46. 46, don't stab the balls. Okay, everybody hear that? Don't stab the balls. Episode 46. Okay, continue. So toward the end, when we got into the meat and potatoes, like, you know, it was dessert first on that episode for sure. When we got into the meat of that episode and you talked about this really important concept of initiating um, connection with, with a child. So... I went home from that podcast, and that was really like playing in my mind. Um, what can I do? My kids, um, like everybody's kids, want my attention. And there's just, I feel like I'm always in div dividing my attention mode. And so, you know, here you can have 3% right now, and you can have 14% because you have a a deadline or, you know, and you're going to get 20% because you're crying or, you know, whatever. I was thinking about like how tired I am of being just ripped apart and trying to give. And so I decided I was really going to give this a try. And, you know, keep in mind, I'm having this, like, how can I instill confidence and, and how I want them to be confident that I'm confident in them, like that kind of that trade-off. And I actually did this. And each one of my kids want different things from me or have different... So explain what you did because some people may not have listened to last episode. Okay. So what we were told, what we were recommended, suggested to do was to actually say to a one of our, ch our children who was wanting attention to us, you know, hey, do you have time tomorrow or, you know, set a time aside that you could then go and, and kind of spend this time. For me, it wasn't like these grandiose, like we're going to go and spend multiple hours together. And, and David actually suggested that maybe it just needed to be like a 15-minute thing. But you go to them and tell them, hey, listen, I want to spend time with you tomorrow after dinner. Can we just hang out and watch a movie? Can we do something? You initiate Right. So um, I had one situation where my daughter was like, she, she actually had something she wanted me to do with her. And I was trying to manage like all of these different things. And there was a holiday this week. And so I was trying to figure out how I was going to make the holiday thing work. And so I finally turned it into, you know what, how about this? How about from this time to this time, I would be happy. I would love to be able to go to that movie with you and and all of your friends and their moms. And she was just so excited that I gave her this, I gave her that time. I gave her my attention. I told her I was excited. You know, I even threw in like, I dressed to match her. Like not the same clothes, but we matched. And so when we took a picture, we like matched. And she was like, oh my gosh, we totally matched. And I knew she was going to love that, right? Um, 
you know, with with one of my with my son, he really needs like 100% full time and he needs it at the end of the day and he needs to download. Like, so I had said to him and I was running, 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 things were busy. And I said, you know what, tonight, like around 830, could you and I just kind of, could we just kind of regroup? Could we just kind of sit down and, and talk about what's, what's been going on? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And it, lo and behold, it comes 8.30, and I'm upstairs folding laundry, and he's like, Mom, it's 8.30. And I was like... Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, okay. And I was like, thank you for saving me from all this laundry. Yeah. And I just, I went downstairs, and he was just so ready to talk to me. And he would talk to me anyway. Like, it wasn't like a miracle that he talked to me. But I loved that he was like, Mom, it's 8.30, and remember, we had a date. Or, you know, we had this set up. And so for both of them, I wasn't having to divide myself. I didn't, I wasn't trying to divide myself with my phone. I wasn't trying to divide myself with my other kids or my other responsibilities. It was 100%. And me talking to them and seeing them and giving validity to the things that were important to them has to give some confidence that they matter to me. And, you know, like maybe that isn't addressing all of the little things that, like you said, I really like that you pointed out that there's some areas that I have great self-esteem in and other areas that I don't. And that's going to be the fact, that's going to be part of us for, in our, in our lives, right? But creating confidence in our relationship is something that we don't have to really, um, we don't have to squ- skimp on. We don't have to have perfect confidence in all these areas in order to have confidence in the relationship. You don't have to have, a, you know, be good at finances and good at sports and be good at crafts and be good at clean house and be, you know, like you just have to be good at making them know that you matter, that they matter to you. And, and so I, if you haven't listened to that number 46 and you, or, and you just, you know, you, you haven't heard the stab the ball story, Go back and really listen to that because I really feel like there's so much value, particularly right now at any age that your child is. Even the, that child that you just feel like you cannot <laughs> get in there, so hard to connect with, um, I think that there's still an opportunity there using that little technique. Well, when, when your kids know that you are confident in them, and that you are struggling for confidence in certain areas. A, it doesn't require that you have to be confident in everything. In fact, it's it's a relief to our kids to know that we're not confident in everything. Well, thank you for saying that. <laughs> well, it is because it, because it, it is true. It, like how and like, it it doesn't make anyone relatable. Um, all of us want to look our best for people. But think about the people who we trust the most. Those are usually not the perfect people in our life. Those are the people that they're just aware of the things they're ignorant about. They're aware of their blind spots. Right. They can laugh at themselves and realize, yeah, I need to work on that. But then they try to do something about it. And so it instills confidence in our kids when we have confidence in them and at the same time, we're open about our lack of confidence in certain areas. That way we don't have to fight with our kids to protect the areas that we don't want them to think that we're not experts in. 
And that means that they won't have to depend upon us for all the information of their life. Selfishly, as parents, we sometimes want our kids to come to us for everything. But if we're trying to prepare our kids to be confident, uh, strong, young adults, and eventually adults, then it's probably more important for them to see us as the most important or one of the most important people in their life that can help instill confidence in them, but not the end-all be-all for information and confidence. Yeah, and I, and I like that. I like that a lot. I think that if I, if I thought that in order to instill confidence in my kids, I had to be confident <coughs> in all the areas that we'd be, we'd all, you know, we'd be toast. <laughs> well, nothing makes a kid feel more confident when they know something or have an expert status as something that their parents don't have. And if you give that to them versus they have to fight and prove to you that they're smarter than you in something, teenagers do it with me all the time. It's like, David, you didn't know that. You know, you're stupid or you're this. And they'll say insulting things to me, not to be insulting, but they're so proud and happy that they know something that I don't know. I just go along with it. I just say, dang, I am stupid in that. I'm like, well, thank you for letting me know I was stupid because that made me feel so much better. And they go, well, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. If they see that we can be okay with the things that we don't have confidence in, then that can give them confidence to not have to figure out everything right away and that they can search for new answers. Sometimes we get less confident and less secure if we start to really focus on the feelings that we're having that we're not going to be able to figure out our future. We're not going to be able to get the person that we want to like us to like us back. It just, it, it almost feeds off of itself. It can perpetuate itself to the point where we're stressed and overthinking things that we don't even need to be confident about today. The big thing right now with seniors that I counsel, they're freaked out about their whole entire life. They've been telling people what they're going to be doing for this life. And now they're having this realization that they don't know what their future's going to be holding. And they're start freaking about that they're not going to be confident after they graduate from high school. I'm like, you haven't even graduated yet. Finish that first. <laughs> Once you finish that, then... There's a senior in my house. Yeah. Then start having plans of what you want to do next. And then a year or two from now, if you haven't figured that out, then okay. Well, then now you have reason to not be confident that you couldn't figure out adulthood life, at least right after you graduated. It's so easy to get too far ahead of ourselves. So as parents, we can model for our kids, partner up with them even better to tell them, say, listen, this is where you're at right now. I don't blame you for being there. I, I'm unconfident about these areas, but I'm confident about these areas. I bet you have some things that you're ready for adult life, or you have some things that you know you're good at and the things that you don't know you're good at. Well, let's just work on those, but let's not try to make it that everything in your life is going to be ruined because you lack some self-esteem or some belief in yourself in a couple areas, a couple places. Yeah, I like that a lot. Well, you guys, I think we, we had talked about maybe answering some questions, but I can kind of see Dave's, the, <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't look so. <laughs> it's a dim light. Not a hundred percent. Not a hundred percent. So I think that, <coughs> yep, that, that's what I'm talking about. Um, and I don't so. have a man cold. It's actually a virus called the flu this time. <laughs> Usually I just have a man cold. Well, we, um. I appreciate that. And I appreciate all of those of you who are listening that had to kind of go down my little processing um, 
of this particular topic, even if it was just for me and just for my kids. Uh, I'm, I'm, I really like a lot of the things that, that you said, and, and I think that there's a lot of value across the board. Um, and a big takeaway for all of you parents out there and all you listeners, if you want to instill confidence in your kids, your nieces, your nephews, or maybe your students, if you're a teacher and they tell you that they're struggling with something, it's really important for before you have honest conversations with them, you got to ask yourself, okay, what are the things that when I'm in a dark place where I'm sad, where I'm down, what are the first things, my first insecurities that I go to, to roast myself, to criticize myself, to belittle myself? Think about those things that you struggle with. And then when you go out of a conversation with someone <coughs> that's also struggling, you're going to be able to sit inside their shoes. You're going to be able to relate to them and you'll be able to be a good support person to help them find their confidence. But you have to be coming from a place where you can connect and relate to insecurities and struggles, not from a place where you're on top looking down on them, questioning them and wondering why they're insecure or trying to convince them to not be insecure. Yeah, that and that's super, it's great advice because all of us, we can all um, relate through insecurities for sure. So, well, as always, you guys, we appreciate you listening. Um, we would love it if you would give us a review on iTunes. Um, as you know, that helps people find us easier and gives us credibility. We like that. Um, so if you want to want to give us a review, we would appreciate that. We would love it if you would tell people about our podcast and let them know what you've learned. Talk about it. It um, gets that this important conversation going in all the different circles. And what we're finding is that most people find out about our podcast through word of mouth, which is really cool. And it's a huge, a huge um, reminder to us that we're, that we're on the right track. And so we appreciate you sharing and telling your friends um, and family members about it. So thank you for that as well. We're also hoping to, by next podcast, be able to announce our next parenting workshop. Right. We're, we're really, we almost were be able to announce the date today, but got a couple more things to iron out. Yep. And next week we will have a couple, a couple new announcements, a couple announcements. So thank you for being on this journey with us. Um, we appreciate it. We love your feedback. We love to hear from you on social media. You can follow us at Light the Fight on Instagram and on Facebook. If you don't already, go over and um, click follow. We love to hear from you and um, we love to connect with you. We love to hear your comments. So thank you. And as always, thank you for helping us to light the fight. Or the fetch and fight. <laughs> <laughs>